Have you ever wondered where you really stand with God? Are you overcome with feelings of guilt because of things you've done wrong? Are you tired of religion that focuses on rules that you can't keep? Have we got good news for you? It's time to listen in on some casual conversation with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski and discover what true freedom is all about. This is Growing in Grace. It's Growing in Grace at growingingrace.org. I'm Joel Brzezinski, the Breathe Man. Mike Kapler, the Cap, sitting here with me. Well, at least he's sitting across town as we do this via Skype. It's the uh, Growing in Grace podcast well into our uh, ninth year and uh, many podcasts that you can also uh, check out from the past, downloaded very easily on iTunes. Just search for Growing in Grace or go to growingandgrace.org and find it all there. I hope things are going well with you, Cap. Yeah, fine, Joel. And for those out there listening and are familiar with our podcast, I I hope most of us know people who are in some type of uh, religious turmoil of of some sort or you know they're just caught up in legalism or something I, I hope you'll share our podcast with them because i think you know the, the format that we have here just a couple of guys trying to talk in in simple terms because we think the gospel is simple while god and 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 the things of eternity can be very complex we'll never really with our small little brains we'll never really understand that much about it but when it comes to uh, the essence of the gospel, it's really quite simple and very easy to understand, really, for anybody. And I hope our program, our little podcast here, can can help some people with that. So share it with somebody you know out there who could really use some freedom. And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll get them in a direction that can uh, allow them to begin to experience everything that God has for them when it comes to his life in them. Yeah, it's for freedom that God has set us free you know, through Jesus Christ, and we want people to experience that freedom. What good is being free if you don't know it? You know, God has freed you, but you don't really realize it. It's really that the realization, the ongoing realization of the freedom that we have in Christ that we want people to experience. Last week uh, was Easter. We were talking about Jesus Christ and why he died. It was, you know, blood it was his, his sacrifice, the finished work of Jesus Christ that God had wanted. It was God's will. We talked about that. And, you know, there are some people out there who are saying, no, it wasn't God's will. It wasn't what God wanted. It was just what some evil men did. We'll, we'll get into a little bit of that this week, at least as we start out here. I'm looking in, in Psalm 118. It, it's a passage that we could have gotten into last week. But it just, real quickly, it says here, The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And just a side note, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. A lot of people, and it's all right if you do this, a lot of people will say, Today, this Today, right now, this is the day the Lord has made, and it's great, and, and hooray, and wonderful, and, and you know, and that's good. God has definitely given us the gift of today, but that's not what this psalm is talking about. It's talking about that day where the stone, Jesus Christ, which the builders rejected, has become the chief cornerstone. And uh, the New Testament talks about that, uh, both in the book of Acts 4, where they're talking about Jesus Christ of Nazareth, uh, who was crucified. God raised him from the dead, and the stone which was rejected by you builders has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for in no other name under heaven 
is given among men by which we must be saved. And Peter brings it up again in First um, Peter 2, 7, talking about the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone, talking about Jesus Christ, of course, and the work that he finished and what God did. All of this, Jesus Christ coming as a man and dying for our sins, it was the Lord's doing. It was his work. It was his intention. It was his will. Jesus Christ did it because he obeyed the Father. He said it himself, that that's why he came to do what he did. And so uh, we're just trusting in the fact that even though we don't understand it all, God did it for our good. Yeah, the day that uh, we were able to enter into his righteousness, his righteous gates, uh, the day that Jesus purchased our salvation with his blood, that's the day we rejoice in. This is the day that God made, and we can rejoice in that day. But yeah, uh, as we were talking about last week, Jesus came here to die. This was a, a preordained plan since the foundation of the world. I don't know where some people get off on thinking that this was just some sort of a random coup where Jesus was somehow murdered or something like that. It's just ridiculous. So, I mean, we see in Hebrews 2.9, we see Jesus who is made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, by the grace of, there's that word grace again, by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. And so that's what he did. Look, I, I know sometimes uh, we get a little emotional, especially when we, we see the, the Easter story unfold before us. And I, I think back to Mel Gibson's movie, The Passion of the Christ, and you know the, how graphic that was and everything, and, and it's hard not to get emotional about that. But don't blame Pontius Pilate. Don't even blame the Pharisees. Don't blame the soldiers who pounded the nails or Judas Iscariot or anybody else. There's nobody to fault or, or to blame except all of us who committed sin. I mean, that's why Jesus had to come to die. But it wasn't like there was anybody to blame because, as we said last week, Jesus gave his life. He wasn't murdered, and you could even probably make the case he wasn't killed. He gave his life. He laid it down, and he rose again, as the Scriptures declared would happen, the Old Testament Scriptures pointing to the Messiah, pointing to Jesus Christ. And I, speaking of the Old Testament scriptures, Joel, that there's a great parallel here. We just begin to see, even though it was a mystery back then, the mystery was revealed. And Paul, in his writings, looking back at the cross, talks about, teaches about the mystery that's been revealed. But going back to the Old Covenant and the Old Testament that pointed forward to the cross, a great example of that is with Abraham. Isaac, and the whole thing, even before Isaac was born, where God came to uh, Abraham or Abram and uh, started to set up a covenant with him. Yeah, you know, we think about how God had made a promise to Abraham that his descendants would be as many as the stars in the sky. And we know, of course, today there are billions and billions of stars. The point is you can't count them. But how would this happen? Because his wife's uh, womb was closed. Uh, she wasn't able to have children, uh, so it was kind of a, the, uh, a laughable thing when Sarah heard about it. She laughed about it, and of course she denied. <laughs> she denied. Yeah, she, she, why did you laugh? I didn't laugh. That's <laughs> What a great thing to say to God. <laughs> I didn't do I, it. I told you, Joel, uh, it's like when my kids were little. Well, why did you do that? I didn't do that. I just watched you do it. But anyway. <laughs> but yeah, so he had uh, God made this promise to Abraham. So in the meantime, this 
promise wasn't coming true, at least as quickly as they thought it would. And so Abraham, well, I think Sarah even suggested it, uh, that her maidservant, Hagar, that Abraham go in with her. And so they ended up having a child with, you know, Hagar had Abraham's child. That was, according to Paul, a child of bondage, a child of the flesh. That wasn't the promised child through which Abraham would have all of his descendants that were as numerous as the stars. Uh, It was later on when uh, God fulfilled his promise, which he had always planned on doing. He had never intended to not do it. It just wasn't as quick as what Abraham and Sarah thought it should be. Uh, But then Isaac was born, and he was the child of promise. And those two things, according to the book of Galatians, the child of promise and the child of bondage or the flesh represent two different things. And I'll let you talk about that, Cap. You had brought this up to me before we started recording. Well, in Galatians, uh, Paul was looking back at what you were just talking about. Abraham was given a promise from God about a promised child, even in their old age. But let's say that Sarah represents the church people who said, no, that isn't going to happen. You need to make something happen here. You can't just trust in God for this thing. you you got to do something. And so Abraham did and, and had the, the child that Paul referred to as a child of bondage that represented the law. Just, just like with Mount Sinai, when Moses came down from the commandments, that ministry of the commandments in the law gave birth to bondage. But with Isaac... The promised child who came later from Abraham and Sarah together, as God said would happen, this is the child of promise. So you see, we we now have the opportunity to receive the promise from God by faith versus the law, works, and bondage, which all kind of go together. Fortunately, because of Christ and what he did and the redemption from any curse that would occur from the old covenant, We've all been redeemed from that, whether you're Jew or Gentile. And so that's part of the good news here. But you can see the parallel because when God went to Abraham and said, hey, it's time for a sacrifice, and Abraham's thinking, cool, let's go. Uh, Don't take an animal with you. Take your son. Can you imagine Abraham binding up his son and being willing to trust God enough to follow through with sacrificing that son? Of course, God intervened, but it began. It opened the door now because of that that covenant and that promise and that bond that God and Abraham had. Now, it opened up the door for God to do the same with His Son, and that's what happened. Joel, Jesus Christ suffered a brutal death at the cross and shed a lot of blood. But you know what? Since the beginning, there has been a heavenly altar waiting for blood to be placed on it. Not the blood of bulls and goats, like the fake altar in the temple, the Jewish temple at that time, but the real heavenly altar, uh, the Holy of Holies, and Jesus was able to go and do that and has become our high priest. Mm, that's right, and you know, one thing I like about that story about Abraham and Isaac, and you know, bringing up Isaac um, because God had commanded him to sacrifice his son, with Abraham not knowing what really would happen. They're going up the hill. Abraham has uh, everything ready to do this sacrifice, and Isaac speaks up and says to Abraham, his father, he says, my father, and Abraham says, here I am, my son. Then he said, look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? I love what Abraham says. He says, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. 
We know what happened with the rest of the story, but I like how that compares to what happened with us. Peter talks about this in 1 Peter 1.19. We'll end with this. Peter says, "...knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He was indeed foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you." who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. God himself provided the lamb, a spotless lamb without blemish for our redemption. God did it. He wanted to do it. He willed to do it. He was very pleased to do it because he so loved the world. And judgment was satisfied. That's right. Indeed, it was. Well, you know, we've been talking about Jesus coming to do the will of the Father. What about the things that Jesus said? Well, of course, everything that Jesus said was the will of the Father. But, and here's the uh, but, does everything that Jesus said still apply to us today? Some people, that might be a trick question. You might think I'm asking a trick question. Other people say, well, duh, of course. Jesus said it. I believe it. That settles it. Well, <laughs> we'll chat a little bit about that next week right here on Growing in Grace at growingingrace.org. This has been Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski. Heard online through various internet sources around the world each week. To access hundreds of past programs, visit graceroots.org. Share it with a friend and listen again next week for more Growing in Grace.